This is 365 Tucked by Sweets. Today we're on episode 9 of our 12 episode exploration through Kevin Kelly's book, The Inevitable, Understanding the 12 Technological Forces That Will Shape Our Future. Today's technological force is interacting. Interacting, or the ability to give input and receive output from a device is going to be required. Kevin even says that all devices need to interact. If a thing does not interact, it'll be considered broken. Right now, our biggest source of interaction can be found in a new technology called VR, or virtual reality, which simulates reality and experiences in different settings, so you can go out and touch different worlds, explore new challenges, and learn things that otherwise you would have no access to. As science fiction author William Gibson says, the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed yet. Virtual reality is currently only in the hands of people who can afford the technology. It requires a couple hundred dollars upwards to a couple thousand dollars depending on how expensive your rig is and the kind of computational power behind it and the demands that it requires internet speed-wise and bandwidth-wise. However, we've seen a savior, an unlikely savior in the virtual reality space, which is phones. The runaway global success of smartphones drove the quality of the tiny high-resolution screens way up and the cost of phones way down. The eye screens for a virtual reality goggle set are approximately the size and resolution of a smartphone screen. So today's VR headsets are basically built out of cheap phone screen technology. At the same time, motion sensors that are inside of phones follow the same path of increasing performance and decreasing cost. We've already seen some of these virtual reality models from Samsung and Google who leverage regular smartphones slipped into an empty head-mounted display unit. There are two big benefits that are preparing virtual reality's current rapid progress, and that is presence and interaction. Presence is what currently sells VR. If you can just slip on the goggles and immediately you're floating around in space or swimming with sharks and you feel a presence there. You can, this is actually, I've seen some companies leverage this for meditation and mindfulness. The ability to slip on a set of goggles, put in some headphones, and then you're transported to a calm beach where you're able to meditate calmly, regardless even if you're sitting in New York Central Station you can still be transported out of there and become present in a new world. But while presence is, will sell virtual reality, the enduring benefits are gonna spring from its interactivity. Interacting in all degrees are gonna spread out to the rest of the technological world. In the coming decades, we're gonna keep expanding what we interact with. And the expansion follows three major thrusts. The first thrust is more senses. We are going to keep adding new sensors and senses to the things that we make. Of course, everything's going to get eyes because vision is almost free and hearing, but one by one we'll be able to add superhuman senses such as GPS locating sensing, heat detection, x-ray vision, diverse molecule sensing, or even smell. These permit our creations to respond to us, to interact with us, and to adapt themselves to our uses. Interactivity, by definition, is two-way. So, this sensing elevates our interactions using technology. The second thrust, more intimacy. Technology will get closer to us than a watch or a pocket phone. Interacting is going to become more intimate. It'll always be on, everywhere. Intimate technology is a wide open frontier. We think technology has saturated our private space, but we're going to look back in 20 years and realize it is still far away in 2018. The third thrust is more immersion. Maximum interaction demands that we leap into the technology itself. That's what virtual reality allows us to do. Computation so close that we're inside of it. 
and from within a technologically created world, we interact with each other in new ways, or interact with the physical world in new ways, such as augmented reality. Technology becomes a secondary skin. We are seeing a convergence now of maximum interaction plus maximum presence, and it's found right now in free-range video games. There are already drones that exist that let you don a pair of VR goggles, and then as you're operating the drone, you can look side to side as though you are operating and flying inside of that drone. This has enabled groups of people to create races where they launch their drones and then race them around a set track of open space, and the operators of these report feeling like they can fly, like they are actually flying. As you look right, you see right of the drone. As you look left, you see left. Although your hands are controlling the flight of the drone, you see and feel present within this drone. As VR continues to expand into more and more aspects of our daily life, we'll see that, at least in the beginning, it's likely, virtual reality is likely to be an experience that we dip in and out of. We'll switch between our existence in this in the actual, I don't even want to call it the actual world, but our, our current world, and then the reality that we've created in the virtual reality space. In addition, ordinary life, not just virtual worlds, are going to be able to be gamified. You might go through your day racking up points for brushing your teeth properly, walking 10,000 steps, driving safely, since all of these can and will be tracked. Instead of getting A pluses on daily quizzes, you level up. You get points for picking up litter or recycling every day. On top of gamification, we'll also have increased collaboration. It is going to be so convenient to just pop up an avatar that even if I have a real coworker sitting on the other side of the room, it'll just be easier if we meet in augmented reality or virtual reality than if I walk across that gap. Virtual reality and augmented reality allow us to have a presence and interactivity not just with technology but with other people. We can spin up a room where we feel the presence of being with this person regardless of where they're sitting in space and eventually, regardless of time, we'll be able to interact with other minds and other forms of presence from interacting individuals. The amount of collaboration that virtual reality and augmented reality allow are skyrocketing our potential to collaborate and interact with on new levels. The last point that is not here yet but will be here is forms of exercise within virtual reality. You can have a full cardio workout while chasing dragons. Can you imagine how unique and customized we can create workouts when you just have a rig in the basement that you can get in, put on a pair of goggles, and then you're immediately immersed in a customizable, personalized, and unique workout scenario where you can still get the cardio um, and cardio, well, yeah, cardio and strength exercises that you need, but you, on top of that, you're being stimulated uh, mentally to create a more immersive, interactive, and just exciting process. Transitioning to identity, I'll start off with an example. Kevin Kelly got to try out a virtual reality experiment where they would flip his arms and his feet. That is, in order to kick with the virtual foot, he had to punch with his real arm. And in order to test how well the inversion worked, he had to burst floating virtual balloons with his arms and feet. The first couple seconds, he said, were awkward and embarrassing. But amazingly, within a few minutes, he could kick with his arms and punch with his feet. The Stanford professor who had devised the experiment and was using it on Kevin ended up telling him it usually took people only four minutes to completely rewrite the feet and arm circuits that exist inside of their brains. Our identities are far more fluid than we think. This is going to touch on something that I've been doing more research in called transhumanism, which is the, the thought of our, the fluidity of our identities. 
In the past, our identities were set by our jobs, by the career paths we chose, and by the communities that we lived in. Those were set in real concrete ideas for us a couple generations ago. Now, our identities are very fluid. Depending on where we're standing, who we're interacting with, the kind of clothes that we're wearing in the day of the week, our identities are constantly in a state of flux. On Instagram, I might have one identity, while in RuneScape, I could have a totally different identity with a different set of characteristics, um, friend groups, as well as career choices. We're able to recreate ourselves in new realms, in new ways, and this is one of the parts of fluidity that Kevin Kelly's talking about. And as we get into this more, it's going to be hard to figure out who is a person and who is a machine, because I can create myself in three and four different ways. How do I prove which one of me is the real version of me? And how do we prove that it's not a machine rather than a human? How do we validate that identity? One example is a CAPTCHA, which used to work but doesn't work anymore. A CAPTCHA is a visual puzzle that was easy for humans to solve, but hard for computers to solve. Now, humans have trouble solving them, while machines find it relatively easy to solve a CAPTCHA. At this point, passwords are even easily hacked or stolen. So what is a better solution for passwords? You, yourself, is the answer. Your body is your password. Your digital identity is you. All of the tools that VR is exploiting, all the ways it needs to capture your movements, to follow your eyes, to decipher your emotions, to encapsulate you as much as possible so you can be transported into another realm, and believe you're there. All of these interactions are going to be unique to you, and therefore proof of you. One of the recurring surprises in the field of biomedics, the science behind the sensors that track our body, is that almost everything that we can measure has a personally unique fingerprint. Your heartbeat is unique. Your gait when you walk is unique. Your typing rhythm on your keyboard is distinctive. The words you use most frequently, how you sit, your blinks, and of course your voice. When these are combined, they fuse into a meta pattern that almost can't be faked. Actually, that's how we identify people in the real world. If I was going to meet you and I asked if we had met before, my subconscious mind would churn through a spectacle of subtle attributes, through your face, through your voice, through your body, style, mannerisms, and bearing, and then it's going to aggregate all of those into a recognition or not. In the technological world, we're going to come to inspect a person with nearly the same spectrum of metrics. The system's going to check out a candidate's attributes. Do the pulse, breathing, heart rate, voice, face, iris expression, and all those other biological signatures, do those match who they claim to be? Our interactions will become our password. In the next 30 years, anything that is not intensely interactive is going to be considered broken. Thanks for joining me today. Come back tomorrow for one of my personally favorite technological trends, tracking.